Welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's August 28th, 2020. Here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, Ant Group's growth and margins are positioning it for the largest IPO ever to date. Two, Amazon expands its network of delivery stations to bolster up a key weakness. Three, Airbnb's IPO filing and the mixed signals from the travel industry. Shift 1. Ant Group's growth and margins are positioning it for the largest IPO ever to date. This week, Alibaba affiliate Ant Group, formerly Ant Financial, filed for a dual-listing IPO on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and the Shanghai Stock Exchange's star market, targeting a valuation of $200 to $300 billion. Ant Group plans to sell at least a 10% stake and raise $30 billion in the combined offering, surpassing Saudi Aramco's record $29 billion IPO in December 2019 and Alibaba's own $25 billion IPO in 2014. In 2019, Ant Group reported $2.6 billion in net profit on $17.6 billion in revenue, a 15% margin. The six months ending June 2020 look even better, $3.2 billion in net profit on $10.6 billion in revenue, representing 38% revenue growth year over year and an impressive 30% margin. The increase in profitability reflects Ant Group's reduced reliance on payments, which comprised just 36% of revenue in the first half of 2020 versus 55% in 2017. Ant Group's flagship Alipay Super App was originally the payment service for Alibaba's e-commerce business. It spun out in 2011 into an entity later rebranded as Ant Financial in 2014, before rebranding again as Ant Group in June 2020, a move intended to emphasize technology rather than financial services. Alipay today has over 700 million monthly active users and over 1 billion yearly active users. It serves as a leading intermediary between Chinese consumers and an extensive online and offline network of over 80 million merchants. 96% of its revenue comes from mainland China, where it handles $17 trillion in payments volume annually, though it provides services in over 200 countries. Ant Group's revenue comes from two main categories. One, digital payment and merchant services, accounting for 36% of H1 2020 revenue, largely comprised of transaction fees. And two, its fast-growing digital finance technology platform, 63% of H1 2020 revenue, which encompasses lending, 39% of revenue, wealth management, 16% of revenue, and insurance, 8% of revenue. The digital finance platform, which connects consumers and businesses with a marketplace of financial services, has been wildly successful, with now $314 billion in credit balances outstanding, $600 billion in assets under management, and $7.6 billion in insurance premiums and contributions annually. Ant Group is also working on a consumer finance joint venture to scale its lending even further. Payments have become a less lucrative part of Ant Group's business. This was driven by Chinese government restrictions in 2017 on payment services' ability to generate interest from unused cash and user accounts, as well as the rise of competing players like Tencent's WeChat Pay, which has become more popular than Alipay for offline and peer-to-peer -peer payments. Ant Group's decision to eschew the U.S. exchanges and opt for Shanghai and Hong Kong is, in part, due to increasing scrutiny of Chinese companies by the U.S. government and the desire to avoid escalating U.S.-China trade tensions. It also can expect to see a sky-high valuation on the Shanghai Stock Exchange's frothy one-year-old star market. Dual listings in Shanghai and Hong Kong have become increasingly popular of late among Chinese companies, with Hong Kong offering a more established exchange with connections to global capital markets. Alipay's success hinges on its continued ownership of the consumer relationship, 
It needs to keep drawing consumers back to its ecosystem to connect them to its services, merchants, and partners. Payments, despite becoming less profitable, is still foundational to the super app strategy. It is part of the common fabric that supports a familiar user experience, reduces friction, and keeps users in the ecosystem. It's no coincidence that Ant Group's biggest domestic threat is coming from WeChat Weixin, China's most popular social platform. To read more content related to big tech and tech players expanding into financial services, check out our July 15th, 2020 brief, Who Will Be the Next Set of Big Tech Firms? And our December 13th, 2019 brief, Tech Players Expand Their Ecosystems Through Payments and Financial Services. Shift 2. Amazon expands its network of delivery stations to bolster up a key weakness. The information reported Monday that Amazon has expanded its U.S. delivery stations by 129% over the past year to 278, according to consulting firm MWPVL International. A total of 415 delivery stations is projected by the end of the year, more than doubling since the end of 2019. Delivery stations, each about 60,000 to 100,000 square feet, function as local sort facilities where customer orders are prepared for last-mile delivery. Amazon plans to grow square footage across its entire fulfillment network by 50% this year, largely in Q3 and Q4. It's lately been reported to be exploring unoccupied mall space for use as fulfillment centers, for instance. However, delivery stations will account for the highest proportion of Amazon's logistics footprint in number, outpacing the growth of its 191 fulfillment centers, 20% growth, and 157 other facilities, 9% growth. The expansion of delivery stations is expected to help Amazon meet its one-day and same-day delivery commitments. Amazon will use contract drivers to deliver packages, relying less on the lately struggling USPS. This has the potential to help reduce costs and improve delivery reliability. Focus areas for Amazon, which split with FedEx last year due to delivery performance and has seen shipping costs rise faster than sales due to one-day and same-day delivery. It incurred $24.6 billion in shipping costs during the six months ending June 2020, versus $15.5 billion in the same period in 2019. The move also mitigates Amazon's political risk, given recent calls for USPS to increase its rates to Amazon. The expansion offers Amazon the promise of greater control over the end-to-end customer experience. It has been gradually filling in the gaps in its in-house delivery network since 2013, with initiatives such as Amazon Air, Amazon Flex, Prime Now Hubs, and delivery stations. By December 2019, Amazon Logistics delivered about 50% of its own packages. Today, Amazon's in-house programs deliver 67% of its packages, a number that could reach 85% by 2022. Amazon's investment here addresses a key vulnerability in competing with the likes of Walmart, its limitations in forward-deploying an extensive product assortment near most consumers. Delivery stations and many fulfillment centers allow Amazon to guarantee delivery of over 100,000 SKUs in as little as five hours for launch cities. It also means it can compete against curbside pickup for online grocery, a major front in the e-commerce wars. Amazon is also addressing the grocery opportunity in other ways, such as the recent launch of its first Amazon Fresh grocery store. Faster delivery also means a more differentiated value proposition for sellers, helping Amazon fend off other third-party marketplaces, for example, Walmart and Kroger. Amazon's in-housing may pose a threat to the economics of the struggling USPS and other major carriers. Morgan Stanley estimated that Amazon's distribution network could cost the USPS, UPS, and FedEx a combined $100 billion in revenue by 2022. If Amazon delivers 3.5 billion non-Amazon packages and 6.5 billion of its own packages by 2022 as estimated, 
This could cut into the carrier giants' share of the e-commerce shipping market from 82% today to 55%. For a business with high fixed costs and a delivery mandate such as the USPS, the loss of revenue could prove disastrous. To read more content related to e-commerce, distribution, and delivery, check out our August 14th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, All Roads Lead to E-Commerce as Retailers Invest in Fulfillment and Online Assortment. In our March 26, 2020 brief, Grocery Delivery, E-Commerce, and the Renewal of Walmart. Shift 3. Airbnb's IPO filing and the mixed signals from the travel industry. Last week, Airbnb confidentially filed to go public, kicking off a process that could see Airbnb go public by the end of this year. Airbnb had originally planned on filing at the end of March 2020, reportedly leaning toward a direct listing, but had to suspend plans at the outbreak of the pandemic. Since then, it has seen its valuation shrink from $31 billion to $18 billion after raising an emergency $2 billion in funding in April. Airbnb has had a tough year, seeing 90% of reservations during an early period of the pandemic canceled, losing $1 billion in bookings, and cutting 25% of its staff. Airbnb has since seen a rebound, at least according to the selective data revealed so far. It saw more bookings from May 17th to June 3rd compared to the same period last year, and a 20% year-over-year increase by June 17th. On July 8th, it saw 1 million nights booked, the first time Airbnb has seen that level of volume since the beginning of the pandemic. From June 1st to 20th, its U.S. reservations with at least one child were up 43% from the prior year. The rebound is likely driven by consumers' desire to get out of their home environments after an extended shelter at home combined with widespread work-from-anywhere policies. Analyst data has suggested that bookings may have tapered off in July, probably due to rising COVID-19 cases and reinstatement of restrictions. The rest of the travel industry has seen mixed signals, with both indications of optimism as well as still crippling uncertainty. European booking platform Omeo, for instance, raised $100 million in mid-August in light of what it called a, quote, clear sign of market recovery, end quote. Its travel bookings have now reached 50% of pre-COVID levels. Southwest triggered a rally when it revised its Q3 2020 estimate for daily cash losses down from $23 million to $20 million, citing an improved revenue outlook driven by leisure demand in August and September. Alaska also forecast it would burn less than $125 million in August versus $175 million in July. On the other hand, Southwest also indicated it would have 30-35% to less capacity in flight schedules during Q3 2020, a reduction driven by inconsistent booking patterns. 85% of global routes are still restricted. American Airlines announced this week it would cut 19,000 jobs by October 1st due to uncertain demand, and Boeing is planning additional staff buyouts. While the U.S. State Department lifted its international travel advisory in early August, European countries have reimposed restrictions after seeing a spike in infections. Business travel, which can account for up to 75% of airline profits, could see as much as a 40% decrease over the next two to three years, which will likely impact airlines the most. A widespread travel industry recovery is unlikely until the pandemic is under control and business returns to its new normal. Even then, this new normal might include a permanent 15% reduction in business travel, according to some travel executives. Certain sectors are doing better than others. Budget-friendly roadside inns are doing better than luxury hotels and urban centers, with chains seeing ultra-short booking windows of late, often within four days of check-in. The higher optimism for booking platforms like Airbnb and Omeo makes sense as the next step in the travel industry's recovery. 
Booking platforms can be gateways to homes and experiences that don't necessarily require long-distance travel and close proximity to others, in addition to being able to tap alternative revenue streams. For example, ferry and train tickets on Omeo, experiences on Airbnb. The hope is that the rest of the travel industry will follow. To read more content about the pandemic, public offerings, and Airbnb, check out our March 18th, 2020 brief, Looking Beyond, 11 Ways in Which COVID-19 Might Be an Inflection Point. And our October 20th, 2019 brief, Direct Listings, First Spotify and Slack, Now Maybe Airbnb, That's it for this week's Three Shifts edition. If you'd like to read more Six Pages content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on the future of stock exchanges and talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts edition. <laughs>